Greetings and salutations. This is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Ontario, and you are listening to episode one of Wicked Little Town. They are my matinee cast dispatches from the Toronto International Film Festival. Yes, Virginia, it is happening from September 10th to the 19th in my hometown of Toronto, Canada. Um, by sheer force of will, basically, TIFF 2020, the 45th annual film festival, is happening. So we are doing what we normally do. We are sending these little postcards. And uh, unfortunately, we used to send them on the scene. Like we used to stand on the side of a street. We used to pull up a chair at a coffee shop and just rap with whoever I could find after whatever movie we'd just come out of. Uh, but, uh, you know, that we, we do still need to be somewhat responsible in, uh, in these times. So this year's round of, um, wicked little town postcards will be all over, uh, the wire, uh, talking over, um, you know, zoom calls and Skype calls as is our lives these days, but that's okay. Cause we got far too much to talk about because um the film festival has reduced their um their platform they are going with uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to 60 films altogether which is way down from the 300 as usual and um it's still um quite a feat of uh of of film going i must say um but that's enough of my talking we have a guest here it's not just all about me it's never all about me um and it's actually fitting that i've got this guest on today because i first met him at tiff in 2008 when we all kind of got together for the first time and went for a beer kurt halfyard is here most recently heard on uh killing of the sacred deer winchester chronicles longtime uh guest on the show how are you man i'm i'm good i i i'm thinking when you said that there's only like 50 or so films at tiff it just kind of went through my head right at this exact moment. Like that's normally what I see. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. in theory, this would this would be the one year that I could do the entire festival if if I if I was so inclined. That being said, I've scaled my watching proportionately, and uh, I, I I typically do about you know uh, just over a tenth yeah. of what is available so i've got maybe okay. six okay. seven screenings that's uh that's that's very responsible of you um we're sitting here we're talking on the on night number three officially it's saturday night as we talk this is going to go up on sunday um and we, I, I think we we kind of both want to get to the heart of the matter right away because we have both seen uh, I have not talked to you about this, so I actually don't know your thoughts on the movie yet, but we have both seen um, one of the heaviest haters from this year's Reduced Slate, Chloe Zhao's new film, Nomadland, starring Francis McDormand. Now, Kurt and I's uh, approach to this film has been very different, so I'm going to let him take the lead, because while I watched a digital um uh, link to the uh, to the comfort of my couch in my living room. Kurt actually ventured out into the into the wild, uh, you know, COVID prone world out there, and and actually soaked this up with other people. So, y- tell people how this was staged in TIFF uh, twenty twenty. Okay. Uh, well, uh, I think appropriately enough, if you're familiar with the subject matter of the book and now and now the film. Uh, they they showed this at a drive-in, so they revamped Ontario Place, which is kind of like a 1970s, like kind of a lame theme park, but slash technology showcase. Think of like Canada's crappy version of Epcot, and that's what Ontario Place <laughs> was in 1970. I, I say that very specifically because the centerpiece was a was the first commercial IMAX cinema, which is still in operation. It's a provincial um, um, amusement park that has really, that is, it's basically been 
just abandoned. Like it's not, there used yes. to be like playgrounds in it. There used to be attractions in it. Lego land. Like, yeah. There used to be like bumper boats and it's now yep. basically just parkland that the province hasn't decided what to do with. Um, and an IMAX screen in the middle of it, but a lot of, oh, and there's like our huge, one of our outdoor concert venues dots the middle of it. That's kind of its main use these days, but there's just a lot of space that they don't know what they're doing with. And it has an ocean size parking lot, which is insane. If you think of the real estate premiums in Toronto, just the size of the parking lot here. So someone rightfully so thought, well, that's a pretty good idea. Let's turn it into a drive-in. And they did this in, june yeah not tiff right they they had a i think it was sponsored by nestle uh um or or some coffee company and they they were running like indigenous and canadian content for most Mm -hmm. of the summer which is very cool uh and then tiff said well yeah we'll 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 take a bite of that that you know given the situation for the festival this year so yeah uh it was it was extra weird because the film was in front of me and on the Budweiser stage behind me, they were they had a setup for a socially distant public way to watch Game Seven of the Raptors series. Oh right, so the basketball <laughs> was kind of so I. It was such a beautiful night. Yeah, you know when they, they had a live band uh, before, you know, while everyone's getting situated in their vehicles and everything. Um, and we were super early, and uh, I, I, they had free coffee if you just go into the app, and they'd just bring you cups of coffee to your car, which That's was nice. Great. Wow. And and uh, but then when the movie started, I'm like, because it was very temperate, it was like 17 degrees Celsius, uh, and so we had the windows down, and it was beautiful. I, I, I had a friend of mine with me, um, Heidi. Uh, former employee of TIFF, and and so we we decided to to hang out for a bit because we hadn't seen each other in like you know, seven, eight months. And and then when the movie started, it's, it's a quiet movie. It's a melancholy movie. And you've got, like, play-by-play coming from the Budweiser stage speakers. <laughs> so I had to roll up the windows. But fortunately, uh, because you're listening to it on the radio, like the sound of the, the movie is coming through your car radio, with the windows up, it was a soundproofed environment. Like, the, the basketball was... Um, was gone right. the moment i rolled the windows up but it what it did defeat the one of the pleasant things of is watching a crisp movie about people trying to make hot soup in cold weather outside of their vans watching the movie with uh you know the weather outside of your car like it, it really someone at tiff married content to form in in that uh, mm-hmm. and then maybe that's a really roundabout way of saying movies about people who live in the cars we were living in our cars watching this movie it was lovely <laughs> that's amazing um now the good news is i mean well you know I, I use the term good news in a very very bittersweet kind of way here the good news is that's the last time that's going to happen because the raptors were knocked out on during right on, on during that particular and, game and and thankfully um the movie finished an hour before that game ended. Thank oh, okay. God for basketball and it's endless timeouts with seven seconds left <laughs> on the clock. So I got to drive home because I'm not doing five screenings a day. I'm doing right. one a day. Right. Uh, so I got to drive home before all the people, cause you know it, it's COVID or no COVID people were at house parties, at bars, at whatever, watching the game and everybody had to get home after the game. So, uh, that worked out. That's a that's a minor miracle. The cool thing is, like, I mean, TIFF has been for several years now. TIFF has been 
kind of dabbling in this idea of getting people out into public spaces. Like they, you know, uh, 2009, they showed free movies in Dundas Square. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they would show them in Metro Squares. Well, I think it's called like David Pico Square. You know, they, they would do, they would try to do some stuff at the light box or whatever, but I, I don't feel like they ever, I mean, I, I don't feel like they ever really use the city in this way uh now like i mean they have to like they they need as much space as they yeah. possibly can get this is this is not this is not somebody with a clever marketing idea this is strictly out of necessity but i do wonder if this is kind of going to be something that they maybe adopt going forward if they can pull it off again well i a i don't think they could because if if it were a normal year, there would be music playing uh, well, at Budweiser maybe. stage yeah. and 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 whatnot, because they that parking lot is so big, it has room for a full I don't know, two hundred car drive in, yeah. and then right beside it is an outdoor like Muskoka chair, or if you're in uh, upstate New York, Adirondack chair. I learned um, that one this year. <laughs> Good call. Uh, um outdoor cinema using another drive-in size screen so i think the uh david byrne utopia screened outside at night which is a dangerous thing to do in ontario in september but uh and i think that was their like in-person like launch of the festival on that was the opening opening uh, night gala yeah and and i think judging from the pictures that i saw like the, the the event was the outdoor Muskoka chair event, not so much like uh, in Lightbox. Uh, oh, I, th- which I, 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 guess I could I, be wrong. No, I, I kind of slept on that one. For some reason, I thought that the opening night show was going to be an inside like Roy Thompson Hall or one of those. I, I it could have been. I must have told totally, I mean, like, listen, it's all possible right now because they are, yeah. like I said earlier, well, they're putting this, digital like you, right? Yeah. Most people are just like, you've got your windows, you've, you've, you've still paid full price, uh, which is why I'm not doing any digital screenings. I, 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 I even with the risk, uh, which is, which is reasonably low. These are big cinemas and they're only allowing 50 people in them. Like, I mean, you don't have two meters between the next person. You've got like nine meters <laughs> between the next person in the cinema. Like, I mean, it's weird. It's yeah. super weird. I, I've seen, uh, three in cinema screenings and then the one drive-in screening thus far. Oh, and you're doing pretty good. it's, it's weird to watch like a midnight madness movie energy's a little lower no especially kidding. given how zany and over the top and uh like hyper the the film was it right. was i i can only imagine it being even stranger if you were just watching it on your laptop i i but but um there was still some energy in the room but there's certainly no beach balls flying around before the screening um and and then the other films uh Again, you can still feel the warmth of being with an audience. Um, and strangely, I ran into people um, that I know, in, I mean, which is part of the joy of Tim. Yeah, I mean, in like, these listen, really limited screenings, you you say you feel the warmth. I think just everybody's really happy to be out. You know, like listen, this is the kind of thing that you know everybody who's doing this, they're they're doing it for for whatever reason. Like some of them may be doing it to support Tiff. Some of them may be doing it because it's the only chance they get to like get out to the movies and not watch something mm-hmm. like Tenet or New Mutants. Um, some people may have really wanted to see these films or or, or have people involved in the projects. Um, but it, it, it's that that's that's hand in hand with this is along with you know the the general buzziness that comes around going to these tiff screenings there's also just kind of this 
happiness to be out of doors and and interacting with people again so i, I gotta believe that that's part of what's happening out there i'm i i'm not uh going out to any of them um it's it and i like i'll be honest like a lot of it this year is just financially driven um which is not even to say anything about the price point for anything like this because i know a lot of people do grouse about what tiff charges for what i've never got on that bandwagon um but it, it's it's just for me right now it's just not feasible um right i have to do what i do at home um but but i think that that's that's part of it too is everybody is just kind of happy to be doing something at this point like it's been six months of nothing well, i'll tell you this i was at uh, uh one of the discovery screenings today and it's an amazing film uh called limbo which is not the david strathair one from 20 years ago it's it's okay. uh, it's a syrian scottish co-production which is wonderful that that even exists <laughs> um and uh the the programmer for the discovery section actually like broke down a little bit during the intro going oh, like wow. this is the first time i've been in a movie theater huh. you know in in eight months do you know I, which I programmer that is name. Oh. I, I don't i don't recall uh, uh and and uh and i know when I, I i spoke with peter kuplowski before the midnight madness launch um and he said, yeah, this is the first, like, I'm staying for the movie I program because I, the last movie he said he saw was like a Vin Diesel sci-fi movie from, Mar- from March. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so he, he's like, and, and what they're doing with the Midnight Madness content and with, with the big screenings like Nomadland and, and, and like, uh, I'm sure another round, the, the Mads Mikkelsen, Thomas yes. Vinterberg movie, big festival movies. Uh, they're, they're basically taking the whole light box and, and they just stagger three, screening times like 20 minutes apart and then the 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 programmer intros them like you know and then goes to the next theater and intros them because you can only get 50 people in a house so uh so you you can at least sell 200 tickets if you co-opt the entire light box um for one particular title and just just roll it screens one through four you're not gonna put anyone in five six and seven because they're they're shoe boxes so yeah, yeah um, that's true what we started off this episode talking about is one that i do want to touch on for a minute or two because uh yeah. th- this was what i watched this afternoon and tiff this year their their slate is um curious to say the least it's not what i'd call a bad uh, pack of films it's it's as i said i think it's between officially it's between 50 and 60 films um and they have been really handcuffed by studios holding back their content. Every this is uh, this this was going to be the the case no matter what. Uh, but especially post Tenet, um, all of the studios are holding on to their content because they they it's it's you know it's product right, and they they don't want to sell it if they can't sell it proper. So that goes that well, goes and, and piracy. Like, make no mistake, if you let people watch it on their screen, someone's got a screen capture tool. Like, that's yeah. That's, so you're that's not a huge part of it any too. any studio content. And you know what? That's a plus, not a, a minus. Well, the, it is, and it is the product that they've put out there is pure film festival catnip like i i saw everything that i've seen is what i call the hardcore film festival crowd not the the film festival tourists like yeah. if, if you've seen bernardo bertolucci's the sheltering sky and you and you heard heard um 
uh, I, I can't remember. Is it uh, is it Deborah Winger or is it John Malkovich? I think it's Deborah Winger gives the the, the speech. The difference between a tourist and a traveler, right. and a lot of the Hollywood stuff that's coming out in October or November in wide release maybe are, are like tourist films right. on a normal tiff. And then there's the traveler. If you're watching the silent Russian folklore movie, then you are a tiff traveler. True. You but know? I mean, even like in the last few years as a, for instance, um, Netflix has loved using this as their launching pad, right? Like they, they would show things like yeah. last year they showed marriage story two years ago. They showed Roma. It was going to Netflix within like weeks anyway, but it was mm -hmm. a chance to see it in a theater. Netflix this year is not doing that. Like they are nowhere on this. And it's just because they're like, well, and why would they? Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a no brainer. Yeah. It's, it's just, for, just, just for the prestige. For? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in that light, it's kind of crazy because Nomadland sticks out as a, you know, studio picture. This is a Fox searchlight picture with, you know, with some sort of names attached to it. It's not, don't get me wrong. This is not what you would call like the, the first round of directors and stars that come off like everybody's tongue, but you have, you know, a two time Oscar winner. You have a woman who is, you know, it was supposed to be like unleashing a Marvel movie next month, bringing this product into a very scaled down tiff. Um, I haven't asked you about it. I love the hell out of this movie. Oh yes. So I, weirdly enough, uh, without knowing that this was Chloe Zhao's, uh, project after the writer, uh, I, I read the book in, April. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, having no knowledge that it was being developed or that the film probably was mostly in the can at that point. And it, it's like the best book I've read this year. Uh, I don't read quite the volume you read, but I read a lot. And, you know, even though it's a couple years old book. And so I was so primed to see this movie. This, if, if I only did one TIFF movie, it would have been this one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, and the fact that it's shot and executed like a Malick movie and... Um, and yet never quite completely sheds its investigative journalism sort of let, let us let you look into this lifestyle uh, thing. I love the hybrid nature of it. I love the way it looked and you really can't go wrong uh, as someone who's not a terribly large fan of three billboards dot, 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 dot. Yeah. And, and, and whatever, like this is, this is the um, self-made haircut, chain smoking francis mcdormand movie for me <laughs> yeah so to tell people what this is about uh, francis mcdormand plays a woman named fern who is living in her van and it's not that she's poor or that she's broke she's just chosen to live a nomadic lifestyle like as as many 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 people in america do um where she works as she has to and she follows the work you know very much in a you know kind of a dust bowl grapes of wrath kind of way um although a little bit le less destitute and it just follows her around and and you know not in a over the over the shoulder no plot kind of way like you know there is a narrative arc yeah to but this it's, story. it's it's loose it's very it's loose but i mean it's not like this isn't something that if i put it on for like my mom she would call it artsy fartsy bullshit you know what i'm saying like this is this is still a commercial film um I, I I, I can say that. I, I like the space that it sits. It's oh, an ambitious too. it's an ambitious commercial film. Yeah, let's, absolutely. Let's call it that. Like, it's a stretch goal commercial yeah. film. Because it's really sad and really melancholy, and it's not like a feel-good movie. No. <laughs> Albeit well, there are feels in like, the movie. It's not a heartbreaking movie either. I mean, it, it's, it, it's, a, it, 
at times, I do find that it's a tough watch at times just because this is very much a movie of this moment in time and space in North America. You know, like everything from, you mm-hmm. know, like how the working class are being treated by the corporations to where you can then turn for, to get yourself money to conversations between people who are deeply, you know, wrapped in capitalism to people who are not so much. Well, um, and the whole finding your tribe element, which, oh, you know. Yeah. Tribalism has never been greater than where we are in 2019, 2020. Yeah. So, and, 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 you know, tribalism is many things to many people. Some people consider it a negative thing. Some people consider it, a, 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 you know, a, a natural path of humanity thing. I, I, I like the way this movie considers tribalism. This is a movie when I first learned, I think I learned about a year ago that Chloe Zhao was doing this. And I was tickled pink when I found out that this was going to be part of this, you know, scaled down TIFF package. Um, Mm -hmm. People may remember um, my number one film of the year two years ago was Chloe Zhao's The Rider. Um, I find her to be an incredibly talented filmmaker. Um, I I, I saw The Rider at TIFF, I think three years ago now. Um, Man, time flies. Her debut feature songs my brother taught me is also something like she's she's very very much interested in what i would call people of the earth you know what i'm saying like Mm. she is interested in people who are working class people who get their hands dirty people who live you know outside of major hubs and she has a way of telling their stories in a way that really honors um you know, in a way that honors their their choices and their decisions, um, and and really brings to light what their challenges are, and and she's she's a star on the rise, really. As I said, oh, like unquestionably, I love that she's on this like deep cut Americana kind of thing because yeah. I feel this movie is both, like you said, it's bleeding edge in terms of timeliness, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's salt of the earth in terms of the universal you know a lot of there's so much of what you call the american myth in this and it's and it's funny that it's meta myth making because it tackles how unsexy this part of the myth is um like there's conversations actually about comparing these van travelers to the original pioneers and 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 you could tell by the movie's tone and by the like point pointed looks from francis mcdormand's character that that is not anything to be romantic about even though deep down she is romantic with it um it's a very complicated movie and i i do feel the book which does not follow this character the book follows a minor character in in the movie linda may okay uh, that's what the book is the anchoring story oh, of wow okay. all of the other characters are are in the film and linda may and the 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 van guru guy I, I i believe are like them playing themselves and yet the the other three characters um the uh what's her name uh, swanky and Dave's dave Strathairn, by, yeah and, and and fern are played by uh, actors, uh, actually, Swanky is played by herself, and that storyline is radically changed, which is even weirder. Um, there's, it's, it's a strange, uh, it's a strange book um, to begin with, and it's even stranger. I thought it actually might have been uh, kind of like I don't know if you ever saw the National Geographic Mars series, where there's like a fictional 
story and then there's documentary footage right yeah like, yeah there's i or, love that zhao is like no no no. we can use real people and oscar-winning actors yeah. and we can make this work because they're all going to be sitting on lawn chairs and smoking like yeah. it, it's fine <laughs> everybody knows how to do this yeah. um and and then the camera does all the rest of the work because uh, the, the cinematographer um, is is obviously a, a fan of I, I think Robert Elswit who shoots all of Malick's films and he's like widest lens possible. Let's go low to the earth wide lens. We're gonna get as fifty percent of the frame will be sky at all times. Yeah, it's, I it's, love it. I love it. It's crazy because like the the cinematographer is actually it's it's Zhao's main cinematographer. Like he's shot her other three uh features that like like her own features um he did not shoot uh the marvel movie that she's locked that's just waiting in the can um it's funny actually the one thing i do like about this movie is there is a wink to her work her upcoming work with marvel uh if you you know like watch it and i I actually kind of feel like the movie judges her her selling out oh i i caught that yeah i totally it's a it's a theater marquee yeah in yeah. the I, I that stood out to me because what I love is this movie is it's very difficult to assess from the vehicles they drive because they're all like bubblegum and duct tape, old model econolines and, and and I think one person drives a Prius, like lives out of a Prius. Right. But for the most part they're they're patchwork vehicles, so they're very difficult to date. Um, whereas you throw a certain film on a marquee as you walk by, you know exactly when this when it is, yeah. movie is, or when, when it, I mean, they do mention the year a couple times, but, but still like, that's a very visual way. I, I, I didn't know she had a Marvel movie. I didn't know she made a Marvel movie. So yeah, it's, just, it's done. It's just, you know, like Marvel, like every yeah. other studio right now is just waiting to decide what they want to do with everything else. Um, but yeah, like I'm, I'm we're not going to, this movie, we're going to do a full episode about yeah, this whenever it sure. shows up um but like just shows up in uh december yeah and and i'm really happy about that like you know fox obviously knows what they have here and that this is something better to put out into the world than to kind of hold back and try to milk every dollar out of and i am just tickled that chloe Zhao is is on the ascent um you mentioned yeah, 100%. Um, you mentioned a movie um you mentioned limbo a moment ago uh i watched mm-hmm. i'd say I'd, i watched like a about a little more than half of that movie before I stepped away to watch the Raptors lose. So I'm I'm a little bit familiar with uh, with what what went on with that movie. That was that one was I, I might have to double back and, and do the whole well, thing because that one the was really good and the second half is is significantly better than the first half and don't get me wrong the first half is astounding yeah. it's like oh you've you've mixed um uh what's his name uh i always get this the, the finnish filmmaker Aki uh charismaki and roy anderson have like been smushed <laughs> together uh and and thrown into northern scotland which is essentially for me uh and my family's background's all newfoundland that might as well be newfoundland every shot even the grocery store i don't know if you got to the the point where i did yeah he goes to the grocery and it, and it has this long pan yep. over the shelves yeah. and when it gets to the spice section there's just salt and pepper I, that's like <laughs> everything that's like everything i need to know about the movie is right there it's so beautiful if it if this is this it's i think it's this guy's second film and he, he did his intro and he he looks like he's like 25 and i'm like if he wrote this movie it's it's 
astounding because um, he's writing it's all from the point of view of Afghan and, and Syrian and, and North African refugees um, oh but it's shot in that square reduced aspect ratio where where faces like symmetrically fill the frame right um, and and then he's got these huge landscapes I'm sure when Mark um, Cousins gets around to watching this movie, He's going to lose his mind because, like, there's a whole narrative element of this movie just with wind, which I believe is Mark Cousins. The smartest thing that Mark Cousins has ever said is the relationship between wind and cinema. It's it's if 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 you go in with that mentality to cinema in general, you'll realize how much wind ups. Uh, a, a cinematic scene and you will and you and you and you may even get a hankering to re- rewatch m night Shyamalan's the happening which is <laughs> nobody <laughs> nobody gets a hankering to rewatch is that the villain uh, anyway, uh, no, no, no. I, limbo is it, it, utterly the discovery uh, of the festival for me um i mean having only seen a few films so far and only will be seeing a few films uh it it's a it's a flat out masterpiece and uh, talk about uh, Chloe Zhao, that this uh, Scottish uh, guy, um, Ben Sharrock. What's his name? Ben Ben, ben Sharrock. Yeah, or Sharrock. Yeah. yeah, he's he's great. Did, did did they play the video intros for you? Uh, like the director's intros? No, no. It's just oh, it's the okay. yeah. I know. I, we're we're missing out. It's the you because know we get we get the, we get the little intro right. reel. Like we get the Visa commercial and the L'Oreal oh, commercial. You don't get the filmmaker introducing the film. No, I really wish we did. Chloe Zhao's intro to No Man Land is fantastic. I hope that Tiff puts them all online. The Q and A's, or you know, whatever interview, post film discussion is they're all on YouTube, so you okay. can That's good watch them. But I'm will... hoping they put the intros because his his intro to Limbo is a hundred percent indicative to his narrative sensibility like it's it's you know what i mean like and and i've seen so many filmmaker intros at so many different festivals it's not a covid thing lots of times schedules and travel budgets and things don't align so the filmmaker just it's very easy to sit in front of your computer and record things um you you were at the midnight madness last year of that ugandan film where they like skyped in and half the crew right i skype right on the big screen yeah yeah amazing (laughs) amazing it is amazing um, limbo the other thing i was thinking of actually limbo if people want to get an idea of what this movie's like limbo reminded me an awful lot of the band's visit oh yes you know if you've ever seen that movie. yeah iranian or sorry israeli film yeah um but but it was it was that it was that uh element to it as well one of my other big finds of the week i actually found it really really affecting because i think i'm just kind of getting um a little bit like like caught in my feels after being housebound for for six months i watched the documentary um by it's this one's gonna be this one's gonna be making the rounds um very very soon because i think it's actually produced by nbc um the documentary by don porter called the way i see it um this is the documentary about uh chief white house photographer pete souza he was the photographer who um was the 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 guy who captured obama's years he's risen to prominence because uh a First of all, his work is incredible. As a photographer, you always tip your hat when you see talent. And this yeah. guy has such an eye. It's a, it's incredible the kind of shots that this guy captures. One. Two, he's risen to prominence because in the Trump administration, he has taken to posting his photographs, which probably 
otherwise would have just collected in a coffee table book or, or you know, National Geographic <laughs> site or, or Some thing somewhere. Routers, routers, yeah, file, file yeah. stock archive. Yeah, they would have been in like some life, you know, like magazine yeah. or something like that back when Life had magazines. And he has taken to using them as ways to clap back to the current Cheeto in chief, you know, everything. So like, as a, for instance, you know, the, one of the things that came up last week was, uh, Trump getting all up in his, in his airs about why he didn't go to the cemetery. And, and, you know, it was, it was raining and he thought they thought it was unsafe. This guy posted a picture and I'll include it in the show notes of this episode of Obama giving a speech in just a torrential downpour. And, and, you know, like with a caption of something like, you know, a true leader, rain nor sleet nor snow, that kind of thing. This documentary of, so it's a documentary, really, it's a documentary about both Obama's presidency and the way this guy captured it. And let us not, mm. you know, like, it, it's, it's, it's strange because Obama is not a man or, or, or a leader without faults, but it's just compared to what has followed him, it's like, it's like night and day. And just watching that era of time through the power of still photographs um, it is, it's deeply affecting, um, to see, you know, how this leader conducted himself, A, and then how this, you know, journalist captured those actions. Yeah. And, and I, as, as a photographer, you know, darn well that you take a massive volume of pictures and half of the photography is done in selecting the picture that has the elements and the form and, and everything that is, you know, on point with what you're trying to in capture in one framed image. And, uh, so yeah, I, I mean, in this day and age, photographers have a lot more material i I, i'm I'm curious if they would ever do like uh i know it it got i think it might have got canceled but there the local art gallery owns all of um diane arbus's b-sides like not not the photos that are out there but they have like all of her not quite out there photos but there's still photos she picked that to display they just weren't the ones that uh and and i i've always find that interesting to to look at because you know for every photo you see uh, a photographer's taken a thousand plus photos that they're oh, not sure. showing you sure. because that's the nature of the beast and in politics i mean there's got to be all sorts of crazy stuff right yeah. like you know, you know if you read your newspaper of choice and you see how they they frame their candidates that you know the in the direction they lean and how they frame the other ones and you know like they they pick less flattering facial expressions when they're trying to you know pound on the other side and well so this forth, is the, right? the, like, the other cool thing about this story and actually i think i think it is a really important part of this story and they do spend quite a good degree of time on it is he actually got his start uh, pete souza actually got his political photography start as reagan's official oh, wow. white house photographer okay. so this is so a he's he's uh albeit you know people always say like uh you know reagan was in some ways to the left of even where the democrats were in 2000 so it's it's, it's complicated well, you know, yeah absolutely but don't get me wrong yeah. like you know like reagan was reagan like reagan would not recognize the the republican no, party as it not. is now but reagan was still very much a capital r republican in, in what oh, he course. did and, and you know some of the decisions he made but the thing is like the what souza says over and over is he goes really and truly up until you know, Obama's term ended and Trump's term began. 
I was not political. I just went, did the job, treated, mm-hmm. treated it as mm-hmm. a subject that I was trying to document to the best of my ability and didn't really right. have an opinion and get into the fray. He's like, what I started to see was like, I had been in the room that it happens for two different leaders. And I was seeing a man who was in those rooms and not respecting the job. And I had to speak up. So like he's become like, along with the fact that his work has gone out there, he's a guy he's, you know, he gives like basically like lectures about his work and he's become this huge star. Like there's lots of shots within this film of him talking to like rooms of 800, a thousand people like giving these like, Mm. you know, photo lectures. Um, Now, you know, ordinarily I do end these postcards with some sort of little, kind of quizzy you know what what have you eaten who have you seen kind of mm. thing yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. given given the, the 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 tiff this year and kind of how it's under different circumstances my question that i want to end all of these postcards with is what do you miss most what is happening or not happening this year that you normally have as tradition or or just you know a piece of the routine that you're really kind of finding that you really wish that that was part of this 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 tiff experience Oh, it's medical. an absolute, it's an absolute no brainer. Um, it's serendipity, not, not the Kate oh. Beckett's no movie, <laughs> right, right. Um, but the actual small S serendipity. Uh, I've been, this is probably my 22nd or 23rd festival. I, I could say I've been to nearly half of them. Um, and I, I miss just random stuff that happens like and this is usually between screenings like it it often can happen in a screening uh you can get weird shenanigans as as the the crowd that was at the borat screening uh many years ago uh could 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 expound upon but no it's like uh you meet some random person on the street uh that uh that that just may be a film goer or 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 whatever or a friend that you didn't even know was in town for Tiff. and um and that and 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 you have a conversation they may not even be in your film um uh i mean last year the highlight of my one of the highlights of my festival uh, on a celebrity front which i'm not normally the the celebrity person was like quasi randomly running into willem dafoe and having a pleasant (laughs) photography free just chat with him um and that's just like the cool shit with this tiff I, i mean if you're not doing it digital this tiff is hyper structured they don't even want you in the lobby uh, they open the cinema an hour early and, you know, you go to your seat and you stay in it. And the, even when the movie's over, because there's no Q&As or, or anything, they, they, they want you to wait to the end of the credits, which is totally cool. I do that anyway. But, but then they're like, okay, rows two and four, go. Rows six and eight, go. You know, I mean, they're, they're exiting you like kindergarten uh and i and i get it I, I, i'm not knocking the safety aspects of it but it creates a structure which i'm sure all of the school students because we may be going back to tiff if, if you're if you're below 18 you're going back to school and they're having to deal with with that as well um so that being said um, I ran into um, a, a colleague, a, a, an acquaintance, someone who's hugely in the film industry, and he's normally a volunteer at, at TIFF every year, uh, Harvey. Uh, if, if you go to any festival around um, Toronto, uh, but he also does Sundance, he does Fantasia, he's like a, this crazy super volunteer. You know, I ran, he happened to be sitting beside me, nine seats apart, um, at, at the thing. So it's still there. But it's it's muted. It's really, really 
muted. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, though, because I go on way too long. Uh, but I, I, I saw what the equivalent was in Nomad, Nomadland of what a walkout looks like in a drive-in. I've never <laughs> seen that before. Three or four cars just turned oh. on their engine, their lights on, and, and I like to think because it, you know, it, it's it's an ad hoc drive-in. It's not a normal drive-in. Yeah, so yeah. it's not like got clear lanes, so they have to go really slow. So like I have to feel like they're glaring at you like <laughs> as they leave. Um, and oh, that's, that's that, awesome. That's kind of interesting. It's it's that's funny because you, you mentioned the one thing you mentioned when you you know you talk about serendipity of of Tiff. The one thing that will always uh, uh, come to mind. I was thinking about it earlier today. So it's funny that you mentioned serendipity because I probably will cop it if i can find it but i will always think about how you walked up to the line for richard iowade's the double and you walked upon myself and my brother and andrew robinson and his brother so you you walked onto a double double waiting in line for the double for the double i know i still have that photo um (laughs) that i took uh it was lovely um and uh yeah and i but i mean there's a because i'm in person and i'm posting like social media posts of weird underpopulated cinemas and things. I'm, I'm getting a lot of people that often come to TIFF or even like uh, um, Sam McCosh, uh, you know, all the way down in, in, in Australia, New Zealand, um, you know, saying, Oh yeah, that's still a thing. You know what I mean? So there's like, whereas normally I'd run into them in person, but there is uh, people that aren't traveling this year. Yeah. uh, That, that, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I hope I that that's what social media is in in its best possible sense is saying, oh yeah, there here's this thing. It, 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 I'm posting it, but it may remind you of something else. It's, or yeah, or it's this one little glimmer, uh, you know, refracted as it may be, of what life mm. is supposed to be like around this time of year. I'm happy that there was an opportunity to, in some limited sense, even do that because we are still in the early days oh yeah of, we're still waist deep of the in this pandemic yeah you know what i mean or waist deep is probably a better way to put it um so the fact that that tiff attempted to do something and you know they could shut her down tomorrow like our caseload is going up yeah. every day yeah there's, in there, there's yeah there's so, always that like you know if if not tiff themselves the province or the city could come in and pull the plug on the whole damn thing in a hurry um so let's let's kind of see how this goes and you know knock on wood for sure um we will be talking about a lot of this stuff more um in the postcards to come i think i've got at least one more coming hopefully two more before this festival's over nice and we will be digging more into even everything like from you know the the, the approach to doing this digitally because already you know I'm, I'm a few films into this now and i'm noticing there are drawbacks to 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 watching it that way that we'll dig into um you know in in future postcards because it's not quite everything it seems um but that's that's for another date and and to be honest this is the one tip if you did have children you could do it with your children because you bought it virtually you can set it up on your television and oh you know it's too bad that bruce LeBruce doesn't have uh, you know, a porno film at TIFF this year. You could go, this children is what uh, film festival films are all like. You're a weird dude, Halfyard. <laughs> TIFF is going on right now in Toronto, Canada, and I mean all across Canada, really, because if you want to get in on the act, you can buy anything 
digitally and watch it anywhere in Canada at least and some of the films are even available across the border so if you've ever been curious about content go to tiff.net and see what's available in your part of the world until September 19th Kurt of course uh, he's going to be doing more so follow his Instagram feed is Triflick T-R-I-F-L-I-C and you can get a very good idea of a, of a visual look at what's going on inside of these cinematic bubbles basically you know if there's playoff bubbles and you know, <laughs> all over mm, sports world that's what it is yeah in a bubble. weird way yeah um and my content is coming hard and fast i'm putting up posts certainly more often than i've done in the last few months um there's review there will be a review of no man land soon there's already a review of um, movies like one night in miami and um the way i see it the, the film that we talked about about obama and there will be more before the uh before it drops but for now uh for kurt halfyard i'm ryan mcneil we'll see you at the matinee and at tiff if you've got no other choice you know you can follow my voice through the dark turns and noise of this wicked little town